0: give him glory and honor. Hallelujah. The Bible says that the uh, temple, the tabernacle, the temple, the synagogue, and the sanctuary. Amen. Let me start that over. The tabernacle, amen, which Moses did erected in the wilderness. It was portable. They would put it up and take it down and march on. Amen. Hallelujah. Let me understand that. That was the time when god's people worship in the temple amen amen and then in the new testament we see that they worship in the synagogue and now we are worshiping in sanctuary and all those are places uh, the bible says where god will meet his people hallelujah and as we come today man we want to be able to uh, give word to be able to encourage you Uh, but sometimes hallelujah sometimes Encouragement is not fun. Amen. When we use the word encourage, uh, we think that it's always going to leave you uh, in a positive state. But what I have to share with you today, I pray that it would leave you in a positive state, because I want to share this with you today so that you may understand what is going on in the world today. Hallelujah. That we won't uh, live in this time, but miss the significance and the ramifications of this time. Amen, because we're living in a very, very peculiar time. And the Bible actually says that there will become perilous times. Amen. And we're living in those times right now. And I think that is our duty uh, as the pastors, the bishops, uh, the church leaders, the elders, the deacons. I do believe that it is our our duty that we would be able to enlighten God's people on what's going on throughout certain periods of time. And the words that I speak uh, are prophetic words, hallelujah, not prophetic uh, in such a way to where they come to my mind out of nowhere. They're prophetic in such a way to where I'm reading scripture and I'm able to coincide what's happening in society to the pages and the words that we read in our Bible. And what has become very, very dismaying to me is that pastors and bishops and preachers read their Bibles and then we do will we'll even read the scripture. But we'll preach something else. And and, and, and and I do believe that it's out of fear and a lack of gumption that you are able to tell God's people the truth and pray that the Holy Spirit, come on, somebody say Holy Spirit, the Ruach HaKadosh, the Holy Spirit, would be able to lead God's people, which is his job. The Bible says that the spirit is, is our lead and our guide into all the human righteousness. And every now and then, when we encounter the word of God, the word of God should prick our spirit. It should prick our soul. It should make me realize and recognize that I'm not traveling in the right direction that I have inadequacies and deficiencies in my life that God is not appreciated, that that God is not uh, uh, satisfied with. So I want to be able to uh, use the Bible, hallelujah, and and I want to encourage every preacher, every pastor, as you preach your word, preach from the Bible, hallelujah. Matter of fact, thank you, Holy Ghost. Thank you, Ruach HaKadosh. When you vote, vote the Bible. I ain't gonna tell you who to vote for you what to vote for and you need to vote the bible well preacher we got to pick the lesser of two evils no you don't because you're still picking evil don't pick less evil pick no evil hallelujah Amen. so what does that say what that says is as god's people we have to be uh able uh to have intestinal fortitude enough to be able to stand on god's word scripture. I'm going to stick with the scriptures, And we have to be able to live in such a way to where we uh, uh, make scripture applicable in every part of our life. Not just in church. And too many Christians, you only want to say what God says in church. What a bad thing about that. Most of us are only in church about two, three hours a week. (laughs) So the rest of the time, you're doing what you feel like doing what the world dictates you to but I am here this morning to encourage and admonish you to stand on God's word. Somebody say, stand on God's word. Stand and you know you're standing on God's word because it's tough. Hallelujah. It's easy to go along with what everybody else is doing. That's easy. You'll be liked. You'll get pats on the back. You'll get nice little uh, messages on Facebook. Hallelujah. But when you're standing on the word of God, Ain't nothing, ain't nothing nice about it? Come on, let's go and get to the scripture. Y'all ready? Amen. I want to use for a subject this morning, a cold, hard fact about ministry. I want to share with you today a cold, hard fact about ministry, about Christianity, about the church. Let me... Oh, oh Lord. Okay, the Spirit's say leave that alone. Don't get into that. But when you when you use the words the church and you talk about the church, I pray that you would go to your Bible and look at the New Testament church. The ecclesia is the Greek word that's used there. God's called out words. We used as a scripture this morning to describe a cold hard fact about ministry. In Matthew, the Gospel according to Matthew, the 10th chapter, and I'm going to be starting at the 34th verse. The Gospel according to Matthew, the 10th chapter, and I'm going to be starting at the 34th verse. I'm going to use a lot of it, but that's our main text today. The Bible says, in Matthew chapter 10, I'm going to start at verse 34. He says, think not that I have come to send peace on earth. I came not to send peace, but a sword. For I have come to set a man at variance against his father and a daughter against her mother, and the daughter-in-law against the mother-in-law, and he tells us finally that a man's foes or enemies shall be they of his own household, his own home, his own family in other words because specifically this word uh, household doesn't so much pertain to your individual house as much as it, talking about uh, the Jewish people and the Israelite people in their uh, family tribes and we understand that there are the 12 tribes of Israel so he's saying that people even in your own tribes will be your enemies but, but it, it, we, we can use even in our own home Will be our enemies. In this word that's used uh, in verse 34, talking about a sword, a sword is a weapon to do damage. A sword is not a defensive weapon unless you're blocking somebody else who's got a sword and swinging at you. You can use it defensively, but primarily, a sword is an offensive weapon. A sword is a weapon that is used to maim or to kill. So Jesus says that he did not come. Now, this is the Prince of Peace talking. Oh, We, we got to distinguish something. now. The Prince of Peace is saying that I am not sending peace, but I'm sending a sword, therefore I might get peace. Oh my goodness. Because he's, he, he's saying now that with the sword, he's going to be able to divide. Hallelujah, those who are truly His from those that are not. And only Jesus can do that. We understand the parable of the Bible is talking about separating the wheat from the tab. And we understand the uh, point that He's trying to bring forward is the wheat and the tab look alike. Just by at the of someone who's not agriculturally inclined cannot disseminate between wheat and tax. You can't tell the difference. So the work of the field says, should I separate it? The Lord of the, of the harvest says, no. Because he has to do the separating because only God can tell who's really for him and who's not. Because in America, And and, and my fear is around the world that we have placed church attendance on who's really for God. But there's a lot of demons and devils in church. We've placed uh, certain behaviors uh, on on being able to distinguish uh, a person of God from a sinner. Let Let me change that. From a person that is not of God. But I want you to understand today that you look at a human being, you cannot listen to our vernacular, you cannot see the things that we do and, 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 and be able to detect if we are true lovers of God or somebody who just has learned, church learned behavior. You can't tell with the naked human eye. So when it comes to the weed and the of uh, God says I'm the only one that can do it because you understand that what the farmer did is he went in with the pitchfork and he began to throw the wheat in the air. And the wheat, hallelujah, is heavier than the tab, that's, than the chaff. And that's the only difference. Uh, is that when the farmer throws it up in the air, the wheat being heavier falls directly down, and the chaff of the tar being lighter, the wind blows it away. That's the only way you're going to be able to tell. And this is why the uses examples such as uh, when you place uh, something on stony ground, hallelujah, it can't grow. When you place something in shallow ground, it may uh, grow for a little while, but then it'll, it'll fade away. What he's really saying is those who are really not for God Turn up the fire on them just a little bit You see, if, if, if Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego What really for God When they turned the fire up on them They went ahead and bowed down to Nebuchadnezzar But since they were really of God They went ahead and said Listen, Nebuchadnezzar Our God is able to rescue us And even if he don't We still not going to bow down to you And that's the kind of people God is looking for God is looking for those kind of people Who will stand for him no matter what Hallelujah Amen We got to stand for God. We know we can't vote uh, in this presidential election uh, for the current president. But that also doesn't necessarily mean that you got to go down there and vote for his opponent. Because the lesser of the two evils is still evil. And I think an educated person or somebody who really wanted to make a, a, a knowledgeable Decision on on who they want to vote for. I think that you should go read up. On on the opponent's history. And I'm talking to God's people. Because there are some things pertaining to the liberal regime. That non-Christians may be able to fall for. But there are some things. In the uh, in, uh, pertaining to the liberals in this country that Christians cannot stand for. I don't care how bad we got to get the current president out of office, there's some things that we cannot stand for. So God, God may very well in this election, God may very well be tested on you going to stand on his word. You got to consider that. So this word swore is a word for the prince of peace. You ask yourself, what is the prince of peace doing with a swore? Then he says in verse 35, he says, For I have come to set a man at variance. And I want to make you understand that this word variance is only used one time in the New Testament. And it means to be at odds. The Prince of Peace is gonna set families, clans, and tribes at odds with one another. And I wanna put my glasses on as I look around the room. We ain't got a full house, but we do have some people here today. And I wanna be able to look in your eye, and ask you a question. Is there variance or is there odds going on at your house? And don't lie in the sanctuary of God. John said in his first epistle, that if a man say he has no sin, he lies. And the true thing is. Mm-hmm. And I want us to look at something as we talk about this variance. Let's go to Matthew chapter 24, real, real quick. Don't leave 12. Just, just, just hold your feet on 12. Let's go to 24 real real quick. And I want to show you what's going on. Now in Matthew chapter 24, verse 12. Matthew chapter 24, verse 12 which is a prophetic chapter. In verse 12 says, because, because iniquities shall abound, the love of many shall wax cold. Now that's in the Elizabethan language, so I want to break it down to you in our English vernacular. When he's really saying that sin is going to get so bad that folk ain't going to love one another. And one of the greatest and most prominent sins that we're dealing with today in this culture and in this society is selfishness. The reason that we're having so much trouble and so many problems in our home where love is now waxing cold is because everybody wants to do their own thing. I'll remind you this morning as I stand before you that there are approximately 339 million people in America and I don't know if you know or not or if you understand, but if you have 339 million individuals doing their own thing, you got chaos on your hand And what, I, what, what, I'm, what I'm pointing out is I want to bring forth this word that is a nasty ugly word in America right now. You can't use this word. If you use this word, they'll call you chauvinistic and misogynistic. But there is such a thing as authority. And we don't want to hear the A word in America no more, because we're telling people, we're telling 5 year olds that you can be what you want to be. There's a famous basketball star who's a his this 12-year-old, I don't know to call him, a son or a daughter, because they don't, you can be what you want to be. You can have whatever kind of profession you want to have. But no, you can't be what you want to be. A boy ain't got no business trying to be a girl. And a girl ain't got no business trying to be a boy. What we are implying, church, is that God made a mistake. That's the implication of saying that a human being has the right to decide who and what they want about you today, but I trust God. It's hard being a man. It's hard being a black man. But I'm going to be what God made me to be. Sometimes I would love to uh, not not have the responsibilities of being a man. But that's what God made me. And when we've come to a place in our homes, in our culture, in our society, to where everybody wants to do their own thing, we got chaos on our hands, and this is why the home's in trouble. Because sin—and remember now—the sin—the specific sin that I'm referring to right now—is the sin of selfishness. For several years, I asked Sabbath Rest, "What is the root of all dispute? In other words, what is the cause of every argument you've ever been in?" I wanted in my way. Couldn't, let, couldn't yield, couldn't yield, and let another person have their way. I want my way. And selfishness is a is a corporal sin in the church today. There was a certain church in a certain city in a certain state in the United States. Their pastor died, and they were in one of the denominations that go on a pastor search. I don't know why we can't get the man that was already working under the pastor at the church. I, I, my, my mind is is, is, is by that. That this man who grew up in this church, you knew him all your life, you know what kind of man he is. You won't, you won't promote him and let him be pastor. You will go around America and get somebody you don't even know. Who? How many of y'all know we can write anything on the resume? I can make myself look good to anybody for a, a thirty-minute interview. And you get that rascal down here, and they find out all kind of stuff about it. But it's too late. You got it. And while this church was in the process of looking for a pastor, actually they, they had fired the pastor, they they had hired the pastor, they they hired the pastor. They hired the pastor. I'm gonna say that one more time. They hired the pastor. Which when I read what Jesus said, that makes him a hireling. Oops. one of the church members who had been in that church a long time, grew up in that drop scene one day. I said, oh, how you doing? How you doing? Oh, I'm doing good. Pastor Cherry, how you doing? I said, how the new pastor doing? She said he started off kind of rough, but then we had to show him who was boss. Oh. So you see, we got members in the church that think they got the audacity and the right to show the pastor who who the boss is. Let me tell you something what God did. God established church leadership. So right away, if he got the title pastor, right away he the And if it ain't like that in your church, that's why you're having the problems you have. Because selfishness has taken over, not only in that church, but in many others. So the Bible says that the prince of peace, Jesus, Yeshua, he says that I'm going to bring a sword and I'm going to set the family at variance one with another. Finishing that 35th verse, he says, and uh, uh, a man is going to be at variance against his father and the daughter against the mother. And a head of sister. Hallelujah. Amen. But you can't have two heads. So in the home, if daddy is the head of the home, Mama can't be the head. The children show can't be the head. Amen. But well, that's what we got going on. Amen. That's what we got going on. And you want to buy your houses in chaos. We are now living our lives, even God's people. I'm not talking to unsaved folks. I'm talking to Christians. I'm talking to folk who go to church. I'm talking to saved folk. We have adopted the world's way of thinking. That's why the Bible says, leave well, not to your own understanding." It's going to put you in the world. So as we talk about a higher market, watch this, now watch this. There are some managers or bosses on the job that your employees don't want to listen to oh, They amen. need to do something. Oh. Amen? Amen. We have to come to the fact that there has to be something or somebody in our life that we are held responsible and accountable to. And primarily This is the way that the Bible explains. Paul got himself in a little trouble. You don't know hear it preached a lot. That it was the woman that was beguiled by the serpent. Yeah, we know her man was right there with her. But I want you to understand that when the serpent beguiled the woman, the world did not change when the woman ate of the forbidden. The world changed when the Bible says she turned and did give to her man and he did eat. And the next sentence says that their eyes were open. And when their eyes were open, it says that they realized that they were naked. And that wasn't the problem either. The problem is the next sentence that says, and they were ashamed. Mm -hmm. So I'm going to throw this in right here just to give you a little bit to carry home with you. That if you're doing something in your life, you've got to be ashamed of You need to stop it. Amen. Amen. Hallelujah. Amen. Got a lot of folks that drink, and they proud of it. They drink everywhere they go. I ain't saying drinking is right. I'm just saying they ain't ashamed of it. The Bible says for a man to know to do right not to do it, to him that's sin. Hallelujah. So, a lot of times, it's not the bad thing that we're doing that's really getting us in our hearts and our souls. It's, it's the shame and embarrassment that it brings. You talked about it the other night in your class, Elder. You? Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. People hiding and sneak and, and, and doing what they do, and others saying, Well, it's going to come out, and then you're going to be shamed. But I think I told y'all last week or no week before, that's why I was telling myself, some, some people in my family hate that, Pastor. You tell all your business. Well, I'd rather tell somebody to be in a blackmail be over. Amen. Hallelujah. Because trust me, they got folks in your life who know your business, who waiting to throw you under the bus as soon as you make them mad. <laughs> they waiting to let your business out, acting like they played. We all know somebody like that. We all got somebody in our life like that. You can mess around and let them know something that you're doing in your life, and they can't wait. The bus to let your information out. That's so why I try to live my life. I'm a preacher, and I don't understand why God chose me. I ask him every day why he chose me, because I ain't no good. Hallelujah. But he's still using me. When I try to quit, when I try to sit down and quit, he won't let me. So before I embarrass God, by letting myself be embarrassed, I tell on myself, I try to live my life as an open book. Told 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 the church here at Savagrest the people that God put under under my uh, authority. I told the people myself, 2012 or 13. I got I got I got to check my line. I'm lying you, I lied too much and too easy. I had a pastor friend ask me, "Man, how could you say that?" Why? Why? He started laughing. Cause I'm really trying to straighten myself out, I'm really trying to let the Holy Spirit uh, fix me. Amen. So we got too much selfishness going on in the home. We got too much selfishness going on in our communities. The Bible says, watch this, the Bible says that we should follow, uh, that we should put ourselves under the submission of authority. Watch this, whether they are good or mean. That's what the Bible says. read it for yourself. Listen to me carefully. He says, put yourself under submission of authority whether they are good or whether they are bad. Y'all not catching me. I'm trying to teach you something right here and now about how you live in the day with your stuff. They got folk don't want to call me their president. You ain't got to call with your president. He's the president. You ain't got to like it. You ain't got to listen to what say. he's saying. He's the president. And we need to submit ourselves under his authority. Hallelujah. <coughs> I ain't say listen to what he said. I say submit yourself under his authority. That that it's God who who guides the hearts of kings. Of men in authority. And I've explained this as well as I can. And I'm going to reiterate it again today. Sometimes God allows bad leadership to show the people something. Sometimes God allows bad leadership you put some idiot in a powerful position to show the people of the land something. And I believe that's what we're dealing with today. I believe it deep down in my soul. God is trying to show us something. And what I believe is he's trying to show us us. Okay, you want to be ignorant and arrogant and stupid and uh, uh selfish? Narcissistic? You want to be all that? Okay, I'm gonna give you a leader that's like that. And we see it in the Bible many times. Hallelujah! Let me let me, let me go ahead. And move on. Let go on. Amen. So he says now that daughter will be against mother, and daughter-in-law against mother-in-law. He says you will find out that your enemies, a man falls. The King James use, which means his enemy shall be those of your own household. So if we need to be able to deal with this fact about ministry. I don't think we can get around this. The Bible says that the kingdom of heaven is suffering violence, and violent men are taking it by force. And while the church is sitting around singing songs, building buildings, there's folk dying out there in the world. Amen. There's unsaved folk that we're not even trying to reach. Let me tell you something. If your church don't believe in outreach or evangelism, you're not a church at all. Amen. If all you doing is sitting in there with folk that's already saved, uh, that's like feeding a full person. You already fooled. You already ate breakfast and lunch and dinner. And you're going to go over to somebody else's house and eat. You fool already. And that's what some church is doing. You're not out trying to reach nobody new. You're not out trying to seek and save that which is lost. Amen. You only want to come together with the folk you already know not going to kill you. Because when you take this word out into that world, it's a possibility somebody might get offended. But we want to stay on safe ground. We don't want to offend nobody. Let me see if this is... Let me, let me see if Jesus offended anybody. Let, 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 let's do a litmus test real quick. Did Jesus ever offend anybody? Yes. He said if your right hand sinned, cut it off. Mm-hmm. You, don't think, you don't think that's offensive? Mm-hmm. He said if it's your eye that's sinning, pluck it out. Because he said it's better that you make it into heaven made than to go to hell whole. I'm paraphrasing. So seeing as that I'm trying to be like Jesus, every now and then I gotta take the chance of telling somebody the truth about their life pertaining to the word of God and and, and I I can take a chance of offending somebody but maybe their soul might be saved. But if all I'm doing is walking around teaching and preaching these little old nice messages, making everybody feel good about themselves, that ain't what you sure did. If you want to know if you're being like Jesus, read the Bible. The Bible says in verse 37, he says, He that love his father and his mother more than me. This isn't in read in my Bible, so this is Yeshua talking. He says, if you love your mom and your daddy more than you love me, he said, you ain't worthy of me. Let's go to uh let's go to 1 Corinthians chapter 7 real quick. Let's go to 1 Corinthians. Love other people. If you love people, he used the example of mom and dad. But I'm gonna tell you, if you love anybody, your friend, your bestie. Who I say though? First Corinthians seven. But Jesus ain't never said nothing opposite. Paul ain't never said nothing opposite, but something he already said. Verse 32. Everybody read 1 Corinthians 7.32. The Bible says, But I would have you without carefulness. He that is unmarried, he can care about the things that belong to the Lord, how he may please the Lord. Verse 33 says, But the one that's mad, he got to care about the things of the world, how he going to please his wife. And then it goes on and it switches it up. You see, so what Paul is trying to do is reiterate what Yeshua is saying, that if you love people more than you love him, he says when we was in Matthew, he says that you, you have no part with him. So some people can't handle the fact that you love God more than you love him. I can't get you to do that over here. Well, I love the law. Why are you always running down there that church every time? Every time Pastor "Every time to go over, you got to go run down there." Well, we love the law, and I mean, and and if we're gonna teach what the Bible says, that's what I'm trying to do. I'm just simply trying to teach what the Bible says. The Bible is saying you got to love God and His Son and the Holy Ghost first. Amen. This, but it's just the truth, and I'm gonna say it anyway. The Holy Spirit told me to say it. If you can just find any you're gonna to come to church sometime, you're gonna come and you feel like you're that ain't love. You could have been excited in that. But if you can't listen to somebody just teach the word monotone at one level with all the excitement, with all the hoopla, with all the humming, put some music to it, doc. It's the word of God that has the power. Do you really love God? just some cold, facts about ministry. And Jesus, Jesus said, okay, I want to know who really on my side. So what I'm going to do is I'm going to come in with a sword and I'm going to see when I swing the sword who go on the right side and who go on the left side. Jesus, there was a parable that the Lord himself told. He says, when I come again, I'm going to separate y'all. The sheep from the goats." He said, the sheep I'm going to put on my right-hand side. The goat I'm going to put on my left-hand side. They was like, hold up, Paul. Why are you going to do that? He said, when I was hungry, fed said. When I was thirsty, you gave me a drink. When I was naked, you clothed me. When I was in bond, you visited me. They was like, Jesus, we ain't going to see like that. He said, the point is, is how you treat the rest of my brother is really how you treat and feel about me. I'm going I'm to let, let us saturate and marinate on that for a minute. Because too many Christians, and, and I, I, I want to I uh, make you feel okay. One good thing, I ain't talking about nobody in this room. But don't raise your hand, don't wink your eye, don't look at nobody. But how many of us know some Christians that will chew you up at the drop of a dime? Chew you up and spit you out? Talk about you like a dog? Cuss, call you all kind of MF sin? And in come to church. I ain't doing nothing for them. Look at them. They, they could be doing that for themselves. Jesus said that when we do it, at the, the, the term that he used is when you do it for the least of these, my brother. Talking to them. buy a house together. I won't even talk to each other. The way we live these days, who sits at the dinner table with the family and eat now? That's out the window. Because it ain't no And if we're not careful as God's people, we'll find ourselves living just like the rest of society. Verse 37, he continues on and he says that, and he that love son or daughter more than me is not worthy of me. Verse 38, he says that, he that takes not his cross and follow after me is not worthy Uh of me. He that finds his life shall lose it, but he that loses his life for my sake shall find it. The cold hard fact about ministry is, and the church has done an awful job of teaching this these days, is that as a Christian you will be persecuted. When you really are a follower of Yeshua HaMashiach, Jesus Christ the Messiah, and you're not being talked about, and you're not being persecuted, I submit today you're not doing it right. Amen. They didn't kill Jesus because they thought he was a nice guy. They didn't kill Jesus because they liked him, or they loved him. They killed Jesus because he was in their business. Matter of fact, if you remember correctly, It was right after him and Judas had that conversation about the woman putting that expensive oil on Jesus. And Judas pretended that he cares for the poor. Judas says that could have been sold and the money could have been used on the poor. Jesus says you're not worried about the poor, you thief. Right there is when the Bible says that Judas got up and the devil entered him and he betrayed Jesus. Because Jesus told him the truth about himself. I mean, if you remember why they killed John the Baptist. John the Baptist stood outside Herod's window for weeks, proclaiming that the king was wrong because the king was sleeping with his brother's wife. So the opportunity came up for the king to behead John the Baptist. Why? Because he stood outside his window and told him about himself. And else, I think this is why the preaching method has changed. Because folk understood, old preachers understood that you may not be liked. Old preachers understood that when it's your job to stand before a folk and tell them about the inadequacies in their lives, that people will get become <coughs> angry and mad. And they will begin to plot to kill you. So I think the method of ministry has changed to where now we're just going to tell the people all the good stuff about them. And everybody got something good about them. Believe it or not, Charles Manson got something good about him. You have to ask his mama to find out what it is. But everybody got something good about him. But one thing that I found out is that everybody got something bad about him. The Bible says there's not one that is righteous. No, not one. And it's the preacher's job, it's the prophet specifically, it's the prophet's job to come and tell the people, when I read scripture, not when I go to church these days, but when I read the Bible, not when I'm hearing prophets these days say, but when I read the Bible, every prophet I see in the Bible telling the people, this is what God says, you're doing wrong, you better straighten up or he gonna get you. I'm paraphrasing. And because of fear and timidity, pastors would not stand before the people and emphatically tell the people that we're living wrong. It's not that we have to point out individual sins that folk do it, our hearts are wrong. We don't love one another no more. We don't respect one another no more. There is no honor in the society no more. These are the things that happens in a culture when God has to put it to an end. The Bible says in Genesis chapter 6 that the imaginations of the people were wicked continuously. God told Noah to build a boat. I don't know if you remember, but down in Sodom and Gomorrah, the Bible says that all the men wanted to have sex with the angel. Mm God put an end to Sodom and Gomorrah because the people's hearts, their minds, had become wicked continuously. So my simple admonishment today to the church, to the people of God, is that we would learn how to love one another. That we would learn how to respect and show honor towards one another. You can look at the way we drive on the road, that we have no respect, no honor, and no love for one another. Won't even let somebody in. We'll cut people off. Hallelujah. Speed up so folk can't get in front of you. Hallelujah. Mm -hmm. These are simple ways to check your heart. We're looking for the real big grand thing. Well, let me buy somebody something. Sometimes you need to keep your money in your pocket and buy, don't buy nobody nothing and show somebody some genuine love. Show somebody some genuine honor, some genuine respect. These are the cold, hard facts about ministry is that we're winding this thing down. From my didactical study of scripture, I'm understanding that we're living in the beginning of the end. If we would match what Jesus said. But we want to read what Jesus said and then preach something totally different. And preach what you read, preacher. We know God's grace and his mercy can cover us. But if I was to sit at the feet of God, God would let me know that every now and then, obedience is what was desired. God would love to see those that are called by his name. That is, we would turn from our wicked way. He says that he would forgive us of our sins and cleanse us from all unrighteousness. Somebody is ready to turn to God today. These are just some cold hard facts about the church. And preachers, we got to stand and have the gumption enough to tell people that we're traveling in the wrong direction. That it's time for God's people to turn back to God. That we would have a loving heart. That we would learn to be able to help somebody in their talent. Amen. So as we talk about. Variants in the home. I want you to become an army of one today. Don't allow the argument to come up. When the wife starts to nagging or the husband starts to trip it, the other one just walk up to him and hug him. Just hug him. Just show love. Don't open your mouth. (laughs) Don't bite your lip. Don't roll your eyes. Just try to love him. We're representing God. And if we're representing God right, we have to be able to show love. Because that's what he's looking for today. Hallelujah. Amen. I want to offer somebody an opportunity to come into the family of God today. There's turmoil in your home. There's strife, there's confusion, there's abuse, there's neglect going on in our homes right now. And I want to invite you into the family of God today. I want to give you an opportunity to come in, to be able to experience God's love. Now, truth be told, this is just some cold, hard facts about ministry. You may not experience love from some of the people. I wish that wasn't so, but it's just the truth. But come and let God love you. Come into the family of God. Find you a church home and go regularly. The Bible says in Luke 4.16, it says that the sure went to the synagogue on the Sabbath day as his custom was. Jesus made it a habit, a custom of going to church. Why don't you do the same? Amen. Show God that He's important in your life. Stop letting every little thing, every little reason that come up, stop you from going to church. If you got to go to the church that's right next door to your house, make it convenient for you. I told somebody that one time. If you're having a hard time driving, waiting for others, stop by one of them churches in Beaumont. but get yourself in a church and be faithful. not picking reasons on the sabbaths of Sundays you don't want to go. Serve God with a whole heart. The Bible says that God is a spirit. Those who are going worship him must worship him in spirit and in truth. So if you want to come into the family of God today, we want to pray with you. And we want to pray for you. Try Jesus. Try God the Father. Through the power of the Son. And he promised that he would deposit in us the Holy Spirit to lead and guide us when we're getting ready to go wrong. Amen. Listen to that still small voice. Let us pray. Father, it is in the wonderful name of Jesus that he come. God, we thank you for this day. And God, we ask right now, there may be someone out there, God, who needs you in their life. Not that we may get new houses, new cars, or money. God, we need you for salvation. God, we need you that we may be able to live a peaceful life on this earth. So if there's one out there, God is standing with open arms. As the Bible says, he's standing with the outstretched hand. Reaching out to his people. So come today, if that's you. Come today and allow God to help you deal with the frustrations, the stresses, and the anxieties of life. We thank you, Father. We know somebody's coming right now. We know that somebody needs you right now, Lord. And they're on their knees right now, Father. praying to you, O oh God that you would help change their lives, God. So we thank you for your life-changing power, Father. We thank you, God, that you are God who forgives from the governments to the uttermost. Amen. We thank you, God, that you are loving God, who has loved us with an everlasting love. We thank you today. So all those who are bowed down, who are praying to you right now, God, we ask that you would accept them into the family, Father. And use us, God, collectively to go out into this world seeking and saving that which is lost. Amen. Father, we thank you for choosing us and using us. Bless us as we leave this place, but never from your presence. And allow your Holy Spirit to rest in the Bible, teaching us both now and forever. And it is in the pot, the powerful, mighty, wonderful, everlasting name of His Son, Yeshua Hamashiach, Jesus the Christ. Amen and amen. amen. Hallelujah.